Hello? Can you hear me? All right, hold on. I just have to turn my volume up because I can barely hear you. Go ahead and talk again. Ah, that's better. I mean, better. I mean, I can hear you more clearly. I don't know if that's better or not, but here we are. (laughs) Enough of your sass. Never. That'll never stop. Save it for the films we have selected. Okay, fair, fair. Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah. He is one of the most acclaimed and controversial filmmakers of all time. In 1979, his adaptation of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness captured the horror of Vietnam and instantly became a classic. My film is not a movie. My film is not uh, about Vietnam. It is Vietnam. It's what it was really like. It was crazy. My greatest fear is to make a really embarrassing, pompous film on an important subject, and I am doing it. I said to him, I don't know who this guy is. Who is this Willard? And Francis just looked me square in the eye, and he said, he's you. I would have done anything. He had convinced me that this was the first film that would win a Nobel Prize, you know. It was like you were in a dream or something, you know? It says, scenes unknown on the call sheet. You just would show up, you know? They didn't know what they were going to do. I was not in the greatest of uh, shape, you know, as far as, like, uh, my career was concerned. And it was delightful to hear that I was going to go do anything, anywhere. Yeah, but are they seriously saying that Marlon would take a million dollars and then not show up? I swallowed a book. I mean, it's just it's not in the cards that we're not going to finish the movie. You know, I felt that he'd do whatever he had to do. He'd borrow the money. But part of me was just fearless in that regard. It really didn't matter. It's one thing to go over there for three weeks with, like, five people. But if you go over there as a big Hollywood production, they're going to kill you. The magic. We were in the jungle. There were too many of us. And little by little, we went insane. The madness. What are they going to say about him? What are they going to say? He was a kind man. He was a wise man. He had plans. He had wisdom. The making of Francis Ford Coppola's Apocalypse Now. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The questions that I kept facing, I couldn't answer. Yet I knew that I had constructed the film in such a way that to not answer would be to fail. Hearts of Darkness. A filmmaker's apocalypse. Look at my movie, you'll see what I'm talking. So that's sort of an interesting idea. I was looking at our numbers, which just shot up uh, after your, your wedding a little bit, because I, I guess you have kind people. Yeah. Um, Tessa has kind people, let's let's be real. Not you. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah. I'll retract that statement uh, immediately. Um, and uh, so... We used to when I, I just went further back. So before these kind people were exposed to this this filth, yes, uh, and their earbuds, I noticed that a couple of our higher, uh, I guess, charting, if you want to even call it that, episodes were some of our double features. And I thought maybe we would just do that with um, a film that you had selected and a film I had selected, since it, I would be hard pressed to get I think two full episodes out of 
the troubles of the great uh, Francis Ford Coppola and whomever this jackass <laughs> is that directed the Boondock I mean, Saints. spoiler alert, I feel like we could get a full one out of Francis, <laughs> mm-hmm. but this one, maybe not. <laughs> So uh, the film that I selected, uh, I guess we're just going with uh, what white privilege. If we're jumping <laughs> off of our uh, recording from the sight and sound list on Black Girl, uh, in this case, uh, the great white privilege of filmmakers, in particular, mm-hmm. when you allow them to have um, almost total control. In the case of Francis Ford Coppola, he's working with uh, almost killing an actor. Uh, and nature. So I guess <laughs> nature is his enemy. Uh, yep. Budget constraints, not so much. Um, and then for mine, it's when, I don't know, the money men maybe start to get a little buyer's remorse and they're like, uh, maybe not. Maybe we won't <laughs> buy this guy a bar. Maybe we won't give him unlimited access to the soundtrack budget and to put his drunken name ramblings on the screen for the boondock saints but we are not talking about the boondock saints because i've never seen that film right. uh instead i've watched overnight instead mm. and now so have you yeah on what Tubi? Dave? yes Tubi. yes it's where it deserves to be seen i think <laughs> it's with some ads to kind of break it up uh so you don't have to focus too much on the nonsense that is troy what's his mm. Duffy. 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 I was thinking Troy... Sounds like a Simpsons character. He does, he does. Hey. You know, these guys are coming down like Goldblum and stuff like that to this clip because of the material. I think that it's the, you know, if De Niro would be given the opportunity to read it, maybe you never quite know what his reaction would be. I don't think I can do it. I mean, I know I can do it. I just need you to need you to help me out, man. I just need some I need some things here, you know? I need some, we'll probably make a bunch of films together. I mean, you know, I just need some help on these things. Look, I'm not going to fuck with you, Harvey. I never, I never really intended on being a director. I never gone to film school. I don't have all the credits all the other people in the world do that, that want to do this type of thing. I fell into this thing, and I felt it. Okay, just a fucking poor kid from Boston, never had a fucking thing in my whole life, and you were the first man to come up and, and take a vested interest in me and say this kid's coming with me, and you're a mentor of mine, and I really appreciate it. I just wanted to get that off my chest to, to, to know that I had said that to you. Enough said. See ya. <clears throat> First of all, I'm, I'm Hollywood's new hard-on. Why isn't it? Why aren't they fucking giving that any credence? Second of all, I mean, are we threatening as much as we can here? No, we're not. That's I mean, why we're not Harvey threatening needs anything. Duffy is, I believe, I think he just has this in the sequel because Mm -hmm. uh, the Boondock Saints became one of those like cult classics Mm -hmm. or failure movies uh, that I 
I had buddies that would try to get me to watch it. Like, hey, you like Pulp Fiction, so you like this. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, the you know, this is... For the people who thought Pulp Fiction were, like, it was too talky. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> None of this action. Uh, we had this film. Um, however, watching this one, and um, it's Hearts um, of Darkness, not Heart of Darkness, mm-hmm. right? That That's is correct. The, yes. 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 I don't know. I can't remember what the subtitle is, other than, like, you know, Francis Ford Coppola got very stressed out. It's some sort of <laughs> subtitle that explains. He like, took off his shirt and got now. really upset. This is... <laughs> Not as stressed out as Martin Sheen uh, Ooh, did. Not as stressed attack. as his heart. Yeah, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, of course, knew some of the stories about the, you know, this is a storied production. Like everything, if mm-hmm. everything goes wrong on a big budget movie. The Boondock Saints, y- right? Yeah, well, That's what you're talking about. I did say big budget, <laughs> so no. <laughs> but uh, speaking of Boondock Saints, this, um, I'm going to admit something to you, Mike. Oh, no. Oh, no. I have both seen and own oh, <laughs> Boondock oh, Saints, and oh. and watching this, I wanted to not have that in my head. Like I was like, I now I. How do you rectify that? Because yeah. you can't give it away. Yeah, right? who's like going to take it? Away. Who's going to take it at this point? <laughs> I think the period where Boondock Saints was cool is long past. I think the only the only one who seemed to come out unscathed is the guy who ended up on The Walking Dead. He's still like maintain that cool cred and kind of mm. nobody else did i mean maybe billy Connolly, but he's you know he just kind of did his own thing and had a good time and it was definitely a movie of a moment uh for people who were you know who were into independent film and it was you know it was one of those crazy success stories that you're like oh my god like this can really happen for people and looking back on it now like i think i watched it most recently like five or six years ago and i was like this this sucks this is not a good movie. I don't know what I was thinking when I enjoyed it. It's very edgelord type stuff. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I guess if you're fucking 13, this would be really fucking cool. But like you watch it now and it's like, man, this is this is a rough sit. It is not worth um, the the discussion of, oh, my God, everything went wrong in the same way Apocalypse Now is. Apocalypse Now, it's one of those things where you look back on it and you're like, this is awful. What happened was awful, but it's also one of the best movies ever made. Somehow it came through that. Um, so it feels a little bit more worth the struggle. I mean, thank God Martin Sheen survived this. Like, I think we have a much different discussion if Martin Sheen doesn't make it through the shooting. Um, and But man, I think the most impactful thing for me is that scene where, you know, he he's cuts himself and he's like bleeding on set. And you're like, it's amazing to watch because it comes... You get this great scene from it, but then you look at it in 2023 eyes and you're like, uh, cut? Like, we should cut. Like, we should definitely cut. Like, and I don't use that term in a double entendre way. We should stop filming right now because he has cut himself. This is horrible. And he's going through it. Like, you can really see it. He's really going deep in that scene. And I watch it now and I wonder how I'm going to react the next time I watch Apocalypse Now in its entirety. Mm. Because you have that now in your head, not just like, oh, this was a a lot of things went wrong, but like we got to see a lot of things going wrong and it's very disturbing. Yeah, I'm not the biggest Apocalypse Now fan. Uh, In in fairness to the the film, uh, war movies are it's it's my least. It's not your thing. I just. Yeah. You know, even when they're extremely well done, it never sounds pleasant to me to to watch (laughs) them. Yeah. 
And because I mean, why should they be? Yeah, uh, pleasant. But uh, not everything can be the great escape with Steve McQueen, you know, finding his motorcycle and, and leading the Nazis. That's on a, what this on is a, missing. On a chase. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, watching these two, I actually think like I already came in with ill will towards uh, Troy Duffy and uh-huh. Boondock Saints because that was the. I guess that was the final hurrah of ripping off uh, Tarantino uh, in the independent yes. film scene. Like mm-hmm. you had stuff in the mid to late nineties, Suicide Kings was Christopher Walken. Another thing I've never seen, but I just remember the box art and it's ma- mainly like white guys with guns, yes. young white guys with guns. Talking a lot. Um, <laughs> talking a lot. And it's like, well, Tarantino was able to resurrect the careers of, uh, you know, John Travolta and he, he brought Bruce Willis sort of mm-hmm. out of like the action movie star status yep. and, and putting put that masculinity to work in uh, another, um, I guess, time and place, which would be um, Californians uh, attacking one another over <laughs> jewelry uh, with yeah. uh, katanas and things of that nature. Um, and he made Sam Jackson's career, really, if we I mean, I think I think if Pulp Fiction doesn't happen. Like I That's, think he has a very well. I say unfortunately, Marvel because <laughs> well, no, it's just in this. When I think of Jules Winfield, I'm like, oh, that's that's the iconic role for Samuel Jackson, yeah. um, nah. for better or worse. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. we are in now, strangely, in the minority of that opinion. Really? Well, what, I what mean, do they have I mean, think about think about the biggest money makers in history and the general public. I guarantee you, people look at Sam Jackson. And they see the MCU, like that's no, Nick Fury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sad. I, I mean, I hope not. But <laughs> I think so. I think, and he's had an amazing career. Full of, I mean, like you know, in Jungle Fever, fantastic performance. You know, anything he did with with Tarantino. I mean, he's just a tremendous actor. And you know, God bless him. He's he's just ready to count his money, and he's said as much. Like, I think I care. I don't care about my people's opinion of me as an actor i just, I just i'm trying to make some money well, he's man. also he's just a huge movie guy yep. like he's even said i watch all kinds of movies yep. and he's like i like to make movies that i want to watch which includes you know any number of genres and like that, the long fair. kiss good night see now that that's a classic mm-hmm. uh <laughs> poor gina davis like went on to be on what an NBC drama was she like the president yeah, or something, something like one that of those things? yeah, yeah. Ugh. Um, this is not a podcast where we lament people we like, like doing things that we doing dumb things. didn't bother to check on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Francis uh, Ford Coppola mainly... is doing some dumb things. So, it's... yeah, I, I even told you maybe we should hold this episode until what uh, his was it Megalopolis or whatever. Bro, it's that called. ain't never coming, coming out. out. What are you talking about? This will yeah. never get released. <laughs> so you said like, okay, like watching something and knowing that the end result is the Boondock Saints is not as interesting. I actually had the opposite reaction mm. where I was fine with it becomes clear and overnight. Like he has this gang of friends. He's like, we're all going to fucking take over Hollywood. We're going to dominate the music scene and dominate movies and whatever else we set our Settle mind to. Down. And he's like, right now it's my time, but soon it'll be one of my cronies time. Like, you know, <laughs> it's just me leading the charge. And two of those cronies who are not in the band, but I guess are just like documenting this process yeah. to awesomeness. Eventually, when there's no more Miramax money coming in, it's like he, he's like, yeah, y'all are not getting anything. Y'all have not actually not produced anything, so we're kicking the curb, which did result in this documentary because they're like, well, fuck this guy. And I'm sure it skewed the whole <laughs> sure. thing. Now, granted, the fact that he didn't go on to great things makes it easier to be like, he always deserved to be shit on. <laughs> Where did you feel as far as the filmmakers themselves clearly had a reason to... 
uh, put this out there like, okay, if we're getting fucked on this, sure. we're going to fuck you after the fact. Well, two things. They have a reason, but he made it. He seemed to make it very easy. <laughs> like, it's saying, just, just turn the camera on. Yeah, just on hit and record <laughs> and let the man go. You're going to get some negative stuff. Um, here's here's why I hate Troy Duffy. It's not because he made Boondock Saints. Like, people make bad movies all the time. Okay. My issue as a movie guy whose dream it was at one point to like write screenplays and be in the movie industry. That time is fast. I'm too old for that nonsense mm-hmm. and too tired. But he gets it, right? He writes a script that people love. They want to pay him a million dollars for the script. Okay, he's living the dream. And what does he do? He's like, oh, but my fucking band. Like, oh, shut the (laughs) fuck up. Like, you made it. Keep writing scripts. People seem to like what you're doing. Nobody likes your music. It's fine. Just, you know, do that. Do the, you know, the Keanu Reeves thing. Like, do that as a little side project. Do the Bacon Brothers. Like, you know, whatever. But, like... You're living the dream. Now just go and live it. Like you have opportunities that no one has ever had. Like you brought up this idea of privilege, right? Like Francis Ford Coppola got a lot of privilege in the making. They gave him so much leeway. They gave him so much rope because he had produced some things that made some fucking money. Whereas Troy Duffy had done nothing. He had done nothing but get drunk at a bar. Um, just the standard Irish fairy tale. Gets drunk at a bar every night, writes mm-hmm. one good thing, and then gets a million dollars. Fantastic. But he he just completely wastes his opportunity. And there's nothing that infuriates me more than people being handed the life on a silver platter and going, yeah, but I don't, I don't really want to do that. I, I want to play guitar with my buddies. Shut up. Well, <laughs> it seems like his priorities shift. And like I said, keep in mind, it's... This was shot and edited uh, by people that he had sort of walked all over at a certain point in the process. Um, it does seem like he shifts based on when things get hard. Mm-hmm. He He's first to say, well, actually, I'm a musician yeah, first. Yeah. This is just a side thing. <laughs> and it's like because you, you've come across a roadblock. And it is something to admire with Francis Ford Coppola, although I – you know. They're not that far off other mm-hmm. than talent. Yeah, you yeah. Know, ta- you know, <laughs> yeah. Talent. As far as – you mentioned putting your lead actor in a bad physical and emotional uh, place for yeah. for the art. Um, how does it make you feel watching? And I believe with Hearts of Darkness, it was his wife that was filming this, which was not really meant, I don't think, because this documentary didn't come out until like a decade later, yeah. right? It's not like it's publicity. Uh, we're going to settle some scores. No, <laughs> not really. I think it it is an interesting sort of look at process, yeah. um, but it is process that, does it does it negate some of the good work when it does look like Mr. Coppola goes in without much of a plan yeah. for things? Like there were things outside of his control, but other times he's just like, I just got to feel it. We just got to feel yeah. it. Let's throw the script away and let's just feel it. And it's like, no. okay, so maybe this has contributed to yeah. some of the reckless behavior on set. It makes it harder to... Uh, hear his complaints about Marlon Brando fucking him on the set when it's like you've kind of done the same thing right. to your production designer the, the the script supervisor is like what are we doing today like even the actors are like I guess I'm just going to show up and riff today yeah, because that's hope. what Francis wants <laughs> yeah yeah it's it was a, definitely an interesting a much better documentary um, <laughs> than the one on Troy Duffy for sure it gave a lot more to think about I found it a very interesting idea that his wife had where she was going to become a spy um, and secretly record his conversations and then I assume present it to him as a finished product later and be like what do you think as opposed to like asking him to 
use this from time to time and him going, fuck no, no, you absolutely cannot. This is, there's too much writing on this. So I, I liked that aspect of it. it, had some genuineness to it. And, you know, I, there was a time when I would watch something like this and I'd be like, yeah, you do it. You have to, to pull the performance that you really need. But as I get older, I'm much more in the Laurence Olivier camp, the like, you should try acting, dear boy. Like, you know, we don't have to actually open a fucking vein. Uh, we, right. we could just pretend like we did because that's what this is. It's, mm-hmm. it's high level, high money pretend. So let's just <laughs> let's just do that. And I I feel like Martin Sheen is a great actor. He's a good enough actor to pull that off without severely damaging himself. And I just I found it hard to imagine the type and amount of pressure that Martin Sheen must have been under, like taking the place of another actor, coming in, feeling like you have to be perfect in every take. It's Francis Ford Coppola. You made the fucking Godfather. Like you have to really be on on your best game at all at all times. And But at some point, you have to take a look at what your body is telling you and being like, uh, the art is important, but my life matters a little bit more uh, than this. And I was just like, and I, as a young man, you can, I think you could get in that headspace if you're in your 20s. Like, no, you just got to fucking go for it. And then when you're 44, you're like, uh, I don't know, man. I would like a nap um, after this take. I don't I don't really need to get <laughs> hey, into <man>. all this. <laughs> you're preaching to the choir here because I, you know, we both started doing podcasting. I'm not putting us on the <laughs> level of uh, Mr. Copeland. Maybe on Duffy. Maybe you were, we're above Duffy we're in between. Our, our we're <laughs> somewhere between um, the two. A lot of space. <laughs> but you know, we both started. I think around 2014, which we're coming up on almost 10 years of, of doing this. Crazy. And there was a time where I was like, really, like, okay, I, I every week. Do, it's it's funny. Every week, I need to get up as quickly as possible to whatever new release or tied to a new release <laughs> we're talking about. Uh, how do I, you know, have guests? I need to make connections. I need to, which is good because it yeah. resulted in our relationship. Absolutely. But there's also. Plenty of people I'll yeah. speak to. Yeah, let's not talk about them. <laughs> there's, there's a long list of people that didn't make but, the cut, but yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I've had to, like, as part of my like, sort of New Year's resolution this year, um, is sort of like everything in moderation, even things mm-hmm. that you really enjoy or passionate about. Yeah. It does come a point where it's like, you know, I come home from work, which has nothing to do with podcasting or movies. Uh, I don't care about it at, at all, which is not to say that I want, you know, animals to die or anything of that nature, but <laughs> I really don't. It's not my passion. But then I would come home and feel like this sense of shame or guilt. Like I really need to get onto that, that podcast. And, uh, that, mm. and I had to remind myself like, this is, this is something that provides joy to <laughs> yeah. you. Um, and what you're saying about like, I, I guess that's the sort of cutting through the, either the result or the talent process is Coppola seems to genuinely care. He he makes some decisions that are probably not for the best of others, but he does seem to care about what we're doing here is important. And what you're saying with Duffy and what the film and overnight says is that at different times he waffles other than having people tell him he's great and they should pay him more money. I don't really know if he thinks, if he genuinely thinks what he's doing is that awesome. I think he wants to think that he is awesome, but it's like the thing he's, whereas Coppola will become consumed by that one thing he's making, thinking that everyone that's contributed to it will make it better and lasting more than what he can contribute. It's this collaboration Mm -hmm. that's going to be great if everyone just get on board with it. Um, And I don't feel that from, from Duffy and I certainly do not feel that from uh, myself. Dave and I are more of the like, um, 
<laughs> you'll get it when you get it. Yeah. So you get what you pay <laughs> for. Podcast. <laughs> yes, which is nothing. So that's what you're getting from me. That's right. Yeah. I think I think you bring up a great point that Troy Duffy is very much he wants to be surrounded by people who are in awe of the cult of his personality. That's what he wants. It has nothing to do with art. It has nothing to do with movies. It has nothing to do with music. He wants to be worshipped. It's a very simple interaction for him. Coppola, you can tell, like for better or worse, wants to make something that lasts the, the test of time. Like that's what he wants. He wants to make great art. And with great art comes great struggle um, and despair and an internal process of depth that Troy Duffy probably would never consider. Right. So they come from these very two different poles of making movies for sure. And I think Coppola is at the point where he's like, I hate the fact that people know who I am. Like I, I'm not interested in that. I only have these side businesses so I can fund my movies. Like, yeah, buy Mm -hmm. my fucking wine so I can make this movie that like nine people will watch and swoon over. Uh, And then the general population will be like, oh, the guy that made The Godfather is still alive. Like that's (laughs) that's his dream. So you come. Whereas Duffy would love if people were buying wine with his name on it. Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, it's 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 the Duffy brand. Would have his face on it. Like it's just (laughs) (laughs) and. Like, I didn't do further research. I, when I watched Overnight, I kind of looked to see, like, did he do did he do anything else, like, musically? Maybe, mm. you know, because I, I presume you can still have a band that I wouldn't have heard of, but you're still out there <laughs> sure. gigging and doing your yeah. thing. And, and like, you mentioned <laughs> the Bacon Brothers or, uh, you know, in the 90s, I think Bruce Willis yep. really was trying to yep. – he would do that on the side. And uh, didn't he have, like, an album in the 80s where he had, like, an alias? It was very, like, Garth Brooks. Rocco sings had, the hits or yeah, some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Joe Pesci like did that. the same thing. Like, it's like, you know, that's your passion, and that's great. Go for it. Absolutely. But Jared Leto, I guess the shithead who he is, had his own band, (laughs) you know. (laughs) It's like, you know, maybe uh, Mr. Duffy has had personal growth. I don't know. But it's a little bit depressing when I see someone who's young and brash and cocky and sort of, you know, really like set fire to all of his chances. And you're thinking like, well, you know, maybe he fucked it up then, but he found a way to continue on. He's still making these little art films or something. And I, I did not see that uh <laughs> in evidence which i guess is why i bring up the podcasting thing is you and i never saw any sort of like real success with this thing nope. and we're still doing it so Plug it, it makes away me, <laughs> it makes me more bitter to someone that's like well do you not enjoy you don't enjoy doing this like i understand like if you're uh working at the shipyards that you probably <laughs> sure. not gonna be as productive <laughs> as mr coppola who can throw any but even coppola had to he had to direct jack he had to take some work for hire yeah dates. man he did a john grisham thriller <laughs> he had he did that that's because as you said he wants the end result to be i have i have one more great film in me right and it makes it easier to root for that guy even when they're both being uh, objectively they're both being assholes yeah it's like i guess knowing their intentions colors it in a way to where you can be more accepting of someone's an artist and the mm-hmm. other one I don't know what like is it the end result, Dave? That where we treat someone as an artist because it can't be. It's yeah. not necessarily obviously with all the controversies. It's not necessarily behavioral base where it's like most of them are assholes. I would most say of these people have- I would say most of the time, yes. Um, most of the time, it's the result because if you look at Coppola, if you look at his highs, they're higher than anyone. Like, you know, you look at the Godfather movies and the conversation and Apocalypse well, Now, like it's... not on the list we're covering currently. I don't know where the Godfather yeah, falls. Well, <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get into that. Um, but then... I have, a, 
I have a side thing, Dave. We're, we're not going to make it 10 years with this list, are we? We're going we're gonna to hit a wall where we're like, who wrote this? Who's the critics responsible for this? This is why we take breaks. This is if we were doing this every week, we would last like a month. And we'd be like, you know, fuck movies. I'm not interested anymore. Um, but I was saying that, you know, that's mostly true. But then, you know, you have Orson Welles. Where... If you just look, you throw out everything you've ever heard about Orson Welles as a director and you just watch his filmography, I don't know that you think of him as one of the greats because the studios always got involved in ruined stuff, right? They like jumped in on the Magnificent Ambersons and, you know, and that is a good movie. The studio cut is a good movie, but of course you watch it and you're like, oh, I heard this and I heard that. And you put this in here and yes, now in my mind, it is great, right? So, but we look at him maybe because he struggled against a really tight studio system um, and still managed to create good to great art, depending on which movie you're watching. And we look at that and we're like, okay, yes, he's one of the greats. Whereas I don't think we look at that anymore. I think maybe we know so much about studios and how they work that as cinema folk, we've just like accepted it. We're like, yeah, well, you just got to work around it. You got you to gotta figure it out. You got to. You knew what you were getting <laughs> yeah. into. I mean, like... it's like the, uh, I saw an interview with Taika Waititi and he said, somebody asked him like, how do you get the Marvel gig? And he's like, you say yes. You say yes to everything. <laughs> everything, every idea. You're like, that's a great idea. That's a great, wow. You're a genius. What a good idea. And that's the where we're at. Collaborator. <laughs> yeah. ultimate collaborator. Ultimate yeah. collaborator and sellout. Well, yeah. Well, but I think what he was saying is you say yes to everything in the meeting and then you do whatever the fuck you want. Like, you just. <laughs> and I like that attitude. Like, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of his, like, Marvel output, but uh, I'm glad that he's having a good time. I mean, I think when we were more successful podcasters, we were saying yes to everything. Every show that would have us on, every, and <laughs> no matter the end result. People um, have stopped asking. <laughs> They're like, I, I mean, I think I, I saw some article where it was like 80% have, of podcasts have like vanished yeah. since like 2020 or something. It's something crazy. Yeah. It's like it, it finally like dipped. Uh, which is fine with me. I'm like, I need to start recording again. Yeah, less competition that's right. Out there, just... Karina Longworth just killed them all. She just destroyed <laughs> the podcast industry. <laughs> and all she but, wants to do is write a book, and no one will give her money to do okay, it. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the thing is like, it's also it's a weird time in what is considered like art. Like podcasts, I do not think are considered art in any way. So <laughs> it's actually just the amount you can produce. Mm -hmm. Like if you can just hit a weekly schedule, it is very much in a sort of daytime talk show thing. Yeah. Where it's like, you just, you just talk to somebody and then you just throw it out there. What are you worried about? What, <laughs> what, are, you, what are you trying to craft there, buddy? And maybe that is the distinction for me between a documentary on the, the failures in producing apocalypse. Now, not that the end result was a failure, but the troubles that they had. And then the failures in producing what would become a cult classic in the boondock saints. It was a financial, um, disappointment then, but end up you know making money. DVD sales making money. Mm -hmm. uh, so both successes in their in their own way in different different you know uh, apocalypse now I'm sure was on this list. Is it currently? I doubt it's on this. I don't current think one, so. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was on. Oh, at one, at one point. point for sure. Um, yeah. And the Boondock Saints never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. No. Video, video store rentals yeah. maybe. <laughs> but it's 
in that field at least it's like we we've accepted cinema as art for you know i don't i don't know if it was immediately seen as such but for most of yeah. its life form as a medium it has been seen as art it's you know the great american novel is one music uh certainly and so to see someone be so dismissive of it fail into financial success and then not have another shot in him. He's gotten, it doesn't seem has no more like sort of artistic bones in his body to produce something else. Uh, it is frustrating because, yeah. you know, as Dave and I, as lowly podcasters, it's like, what can we, we can't really even aspire to anything with this as far as, I, I don't even know what the, what movie podcast we could produce where someone said, now this is art. This yeah, is yeah. <laughs> the I, arts think, of darkness right here. I think that's where this documentary fails is that I think they told the least interesting story about Boondock Saints that they could. The interesting story... What a jerk. <laughs> He's a yeah. real jerk. Yeah, you knew that <laughs> when, you, when you're friends with him at the bar. He's always it doesn't take more than a couple of conversations. Five minutes. A couple of... And then you're... Okay, <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. it. I got this guy. The interesting story to me is the somehow success of this movie, right? Right. Which is a story... I would be interested in someone making a documentary about that now because it's something that probably will never happen again. Because the industry has changed so much with streaming, you're not gonna you're not gonna have the 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 rental boom for a movie or the purchasing boom for a movie because everything is streaming. Most things are free for a monthly fee, um, and you know most people wait for things to go on sale. They're not gonna spend twenty bucks on a movie. They're gonna spend four ninety nine or less, like our like my co host. Look, what it's mm-hmm, got to dip mm-hmm. down there. That's the threshold. So we're never. I don't think we're ever gonna have that kind of cult classic ever again in that way where it's actually going to make money, right? Like, you're going to have people start talking about this movie. Oh, my God, it's so terrible. It's so enjoyable. You have to check it out. And it'll be popular for, like, a week or two on Twitter, and then it'll go away. Well, it's like the Netflix top ten, where it's like oh, some... Which is probably you know, bullshit anyway. Like, <laughs> Well, it's like, it'll be some Liam Neeson action movie from a couple of years ago that no one watched. And you're like, oh, I guess people are treating this as if it's like a new release. They're like, because they're clicking on it because they don't know what it is. It's like, it's a Liam Neeson movie. It's new. Well, it came out in 2017. Right. But it's new to them. Um, and you're right. It's ephemeral. It just mm-hmm. like, well, it's gone that week. It's just a square to click on. And yeah, the, the sort of slow word of mouth, your buddy's got trying, you know, in my case, someone's trying to force me to watch Boondock Saints. And I'm like, no, I'm not watching that. It's going to clockwork um, orange you into watching Boondock Saints. I actually remember the night I was in Florida. Uh, I was crashing with a dude who was going to college down there and he's like, you like Pulp Fiction. You'll like this. He's like a bunch of us. Are the like worst the- setup for any movie. Like your the yeah. expectations are through the roof. <laughs> so Dave, they had a group of guys uh, watching it, you know, drinking and watching Boondock Saints as one would in a college. Like I was crashing in his dorm just because so, of access to the, the city and the town, all that, the beaches. Um, and I'm like, no, nah, I think I'm just going to stay in here and watch a roadhouse on TNT. <laughs> Hell yeah. Which to me was that, <laughs> that's a great that night. More, <laughs> it was it was fantastic. I'm like, I'm getting everything I need from the predecessors of the Boondock Saints, Swayze in the, the late '80s. Like, why <laughs> with the commercials even, and the fact that it was on TNT made look, it better. Look, like, Troy Duffy no cannot hold Swayze's jockstrap. <laughs> what are we fucking talking about here? <laughs> I would aspire to that though. Same. <laughs> <laughs> So and be honest, neither can Coppola. If we're, if we're being perfectly frank, yeah, it's it's true. It's true. Classic American cinema. Uh, the one thing I wanted to talk about before we kind of wrap things up here mm. with with Coppola is this 
extended sequence of the death of these animals that they're filming. Yeah, not for it. Man, I, I mean, I I really struggled with it because it is, you know, it is a completely different culture that they're attempting to show respect to. But I feel like it's included in the movie to shock um, and that's really all it's there for. Like, we already know they're in a different culture. We have all this stuff about, you know, the the Filipino government, you know, taking away their helicopters for this insurrection. And, you know, I think we get it. And then to film this, it feels like it feels like I'm watching something I shouldn't as a white American. Like, I have no connection to these people. And I feel like it's presented in a way like, look at this savagery on screen. Like, let's show you the close ups of the corpses and the the mangled blood and all that. And I was just like, I, I want to leave. Like I found myself wanting to walk away from this and just get distance from it. And it was very upsetting to me. And I'm not a like animal rights activist guy. I'm not a vegetarian, (laughs) but I was just kind of like, I don't, I don't need this in my night. Um, I was just having that. I wanted to have a nice night and watch a movie. And here we are watching steer yeah butchered like i mean it's not a bold statement to say that i'm not going to enjoy watching life extinguished uh or suffering in some way uh and it's it seems kind of put in there to be like look how excessive all this was look at the excess of the making of apocalypse now and um bro we know on the nose and (laughs) um all it resulted in for me was uh, me hitting the little 15 second forward button <laughs> nope, repeatedly. Like, nope, 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 not doing this. <laughs> it's probably a good call. I wish <laughs> I would have done listeners that. Listeners do yes, all the time, yes. I'm sure. We expect it. Listen to us at two times speed. I get it. <laughs> yeah, save your thumbs a little bit. You don't yes. have to reach That's the right. console. So That's much. right. <laughs> uh, we'll come with something uh, far uh, more beautiful to look at for uh, our next episode, which is uh, George Clooney. Yeah, as George Clooney, action character. star. As we all know that that's <laughs> I just like that he's he is just the uh the American. That yeah. is what he is known as and that's you know, America has not been perceived in the best light in mm-hmm. the last I fuck I don't know, feels like the last fifty years. Our, I don't know, our whole entire life, yes. Yeah. In particular the the last, you know, eight years or so. Um, so it will be a little misleading, just like the marketing of the American and say George Clooney. Yeah that is America, baby. Movie right stars, there. baby. <laughs> I was going to say Kentucky boy, but you just... Ah, true, true. <laughs> Damn it. All of my emotions feel the same, feel the same. You don't like where this is going. Look away, look away. You're not in my way, you're in my path. Look at that. All of my emotions feel the same. What a laugh. Cover your tattoo. Thing to come from the franchise. 
You study our history? No. You come to Italy to make a guidebook and you don't care about history. <laughs> 